Welcome to Descender from Florida, a podcast where we dive deep into the design topics we all think about but don't talk about enough. I'm Melanie Lovebird, a product designer at Klarna. Each episode of our show, we have chosen a big global topic, such as cultural clashes or financial literacy, but hope to bring those conversations down to the real world as our designers reflect on how they're tackling them in their daily work lives. So this week, we have Koopy and Helen talking about their experiences working and living in different cultural contexts. First up, we have Koopy Wong as a design documentation loving designer originally from Hong Kong. She has spent most of her professional career building B2B products and continues that path as a product designer in our Merchant Foundation domain, working on designing new marketing growth products that can be brought into Klarna's B2B Merchant Portal. She is constantly surprised by how funny people find her despite being a self-described super introvert. You can find her on Twitter at Koopy Wong. Um, I also happen to know that you taught yourself Japanese by watching TV dramas. So I'm curious to know what is your favorite one? Hi, everyone. I'm Koopy. So my favorite one, what maybe I talk about why I like this Japanese drama, because it was very popular in my teenage year. That's why I'm like other teenager. I'm watching it. But if you ask me my favorite one, it wasn't really from my generation. It is uh, one called Long Vacation. And then the topic is just so simple. It's just in summer, people fall in love, pure love story. That is what teenager like. That's why I like it. Okay. I love a good teen rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And next up, we have Helen Chang, is a product designer originally from Taiwan with a multidisciplinary background in UX, UI, service design, and user research. Before joining Klarna here in Berlin, she spent time in China and Italy, first working at Tencent, shaping the social application WeChat mini program, QQ and QZone user experience used by 595 million users, and then working on BMW Connected app, creating the physical and digital driver experience journey and AI machine learning powered warranty claim management systems for car manufacturers. Also studying the service design in Milano. At Klarna, she focuses on the merchant support experience in our B2B merchant domain, while after hours, she keeps herself inspired with free diving, hiking, reading, and traveling, which inspired her to become a more global perspective designer. Very curious to know, what is your favorite free diving location? Hi, I'm, I'm Helen, and I would say my favorite free diving location is in Cyprus, and there's an area called Ayanapa, and they have an amazing underwater museum over there. So it was super amazing when you see from, from the pictures and also have a lot of turtles and carols. Underwater museum, you said? Yeah, underwater museum, which you need to go diving. Then you can see that museum. Otherwise, you cannot see it on the land. Wow, that's amazing. I'm going to look up that photo later. So kicking off into our combo, when we start to talk about design within the Asian market, the first thing that often comes up is the topic of super apps, such as WeChat, which is essentially one application that houses uh, a variety of smaller apps inside and allows users to do everything from paying for food at a restaurant to messaging friends or ordering a taxi. In the US and Europe, it seems that most large companies have continued to keep their products separate. For example, Facebook and Instagram within Meta, while others have moved towards this concept like Uber, which now has scooters and food delivery within the Rideshare app. I'd love to get both of your opinions on this trend uh, and also explore some of your reflections working and living uh, in Asia versus Germany. But maybe each of you could give some background to the work you've already done before arriving here in, in Berlin. So Helen, do you want to maybe expand a little bit on, on some of the, the work you've done before arriving here in Berlin? Yeah. Okay. So before I joined the Karna and I have experience working from this uh, small startup to the big size company and also medium sized company as well. And before I moved to Germany, I was working at Tencent. 
So the product I was focusing on is the WeChat mini program and as well as the QQ and QZone, which is more focused on the um, social application area. Nice. So the, so curious with the, the QQ, so you said you worked at QQ and then QZone. So what's the difference between the two? Just so I understand. Yeah. So uh, for QQ, they actually, if we use the, some of the Western app to, to describe it, it's more like Eastern messenger and the mm-hmm. QZone is what Eastern Facebook. So their relationship are like that. Yeah. So one is more focused on the communication app and the, the Q zone is more like social application, like a Facebook, but they also have some part, somehow of the relationship between these two. That's why their name also sounds very similar. QQ and Q zone. Yeah. Okay. So, and Kopi, what about you? What is your, your experience before arriving here in Berlin? Yeah, for me, I started as a graphic designer. And then I switched my career to UX, UI, UX and product. So the reason why is because I work for this product, which is more focused on this. That's why I switched. So the first one that I somehow understand what this UI, UX is, it is a product called DeFi, which is acquired by Google. And then after that, I have been working on in another company, which is a e-commerce, they are selling phone cases. They are focusing on the U.S. market. Then after that, I've been working on a product, which is shipping and tracking API. They're also focused on the Europe and U.S. market. And then there is one, which is last mile logistics, which they are focusing more on the Asian market. Do you have any reflections um, on that? Having to be in one country, designing for another country? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, this experience actually related to one of my experience when I was working in Munich in the south of the Germany. At that time, I was working on the BMW Connected app. Even it's a, a German company, BMW, and uh, we supposed to design to the local market, to German people. But actually, because the BMW, they are also pretty focused on the Chinese market. So even we are based in Germany, but we also need to think about what is the, the Chinese um, user think about our app. So this app could also adapt to the uh, Chinese market, but we also want to expand it to the U.S. market. So we actually need to consider different continents in using one single app. So in the end, we need to do some of the inter- internationalization and localization for the apps to adapt to different market because different kind of user, they actually have different culture, perception, and uh, perceptual habit, how they read the information. The, the habits are totally different. So we are trying to adapt to the, the local market, basically. And when I was working in China, it's much easier, I would say, because that app actually only used by Chinese user. And I'm also thinking about whether uh, if I'm a Asian, that how uh, do I have um, difficulties to decide for US, European versus the Asian market? It depends on the product, actually, I think, because if it is my cases, it is an e-commerce product. So it doesn't really like um, how Asian will use it, how European will use it. It's just a customer, how they will use it in general. So if we are selling to like US or European market, maybe what need, we need to do is look at the competitor, how they are doing this, maybe try to see why they're doing this in this way, and then try to do it like similarly. So that, that is how you sell to those markets. But then it isn't really like related to how 
different like different areas of users using it. So think it is if you think it this way, then it just doesn't really matter if you are designing for different culture, uh, different places. So this is how I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I think it gets to maybe the larger question that that I was wondering in terms of because I think we group a lot in say like the Asian market. So in the Asian market, there's super apps and there's this design and it's all the same. So how do you feel about this, this idea that a lot of times I think Asia is grouped together as being a certain type of user, I guess? Yeah, I think, okay, I think I think about the one example is that like, for example, I totally agree that you can, we cannot just like a group uh, the people coming from the same continent because it's still some of the differentiation within the one area. For example, Taiwan and China, we actually use the same language but actually the way that we process information are pretty different because even me, I grew up in Asia, but I actually used the Western app day by day when I grew up. It's only until when I moved to China and all the service are blocked and I need to use the, the local Chinese application. And from now on, and I start to like, actually, there's a funny story at the beginning because I don't get used to the Chinese, the UI interface is super overwhelming and super crowd because as I say, I'm getting used to the, this clean layout and simplistic interface. So when I just open the, my first WeChat app and I just don't really get used to it, but I think what's interesting is that I see what is the difference about it, but instead of just criticism, oh, this is app is really difficult to use. It's so many information. But trying to understand what's the context behind, what is the why makes the, the app are being designed like like this. I think I have the same opinion as you. Like when I'm using WeChat because I'm not used to it as well. So when I use WeChat just recently, I need to ask my friend how to use it. So I am also that type of uh, user that is not used to this pattern. But if you are a user used to this pattern, then you will know how to use it. And then this pattern is mainly used in China, I believe. And then why it is so popular, I think it's because like we heard about it, right? Super app equals to WeChat equals to the biggest company. So uh, if they have this success of pattern and then so more and more company and more and more app will start to copy this pattern because it's success, right? Yeah. I also have a one thought that I can put on top is that the, the they are even the UI, they are uh, not just about the, the spacing that we are talking about, like overwhelming and crowded or more white space use, but also the way that they recognize the icon are also really different. You cannot see the hamburger button or hamburger navigation in the Chinese app. Instead, they are using the discover icon, which is the, like a icon, like a compass. Yeah. So. There's really interesting part of it. You can see this like discover icon are everywhere in the Chinese app, but you will not like consider it as a hamburger menu because hamburger menu doesn't exist in, in, in Chinese app, basically. You might yeah. be, what do you think that is? Yeah, for, for us, this is more like hamburger menu. Actually, they are using that icon as a hamburger menu, but they are using a different icon to, to use it. Yeah, this is one thing that I think is pretty interesting. And the other thing is that they also bring this, like, um, the culturally, uh, themes to, to the apps. For example, the biggest celebration and the festival is the Chinese new, new year in, in, in general, in Asia culture. And uh, they have this habit that they will give the red envelope with the, the cash inside the 
envelope and to their relatives or parents. They, they also bring this experience to online. So you can see this experience in the WeChat. They call it the WeChat red envelope. And basically you can like send them like the credits or the digital money to your relatives. And they don't really use the, like the paper things of the rabbit to anymore. And re they replace everything to the, the, the digital um, things and the technology. I think it's something that is really mind blowing experience because in Taiwan, we still have this culture that we give the relatives or parents with this physical wrap envelope, but in China, they don't use it anymore. They just like WeChat and then give you the wrap envelope and then put what kind, how much money you want to give your, your friends and so on. And it also means the good luck in Chinese culture. Everything has just basically been digitized into the app. Yeah. They, this digitalization are very embed very deeply in, in, in China. Like it, they, I would say they even are like a cash-free society. Is it a different yes. biggest culture shock for me when I moved to Germany? Because as like in Germany, they still use a lot of cash. They are not accept the credit card even after COVID. <laughs> so it's uh, a bit unbelievable, but in China, they already have this like a cash-free society. I was working there since when it was 2016. So it's already like six or seven years ago. They already like that. And everybody just bring the phone and then they pay everything with a phone. Well, it seems like the, the whole origin and continuation of the super apps is convenience, right? Because why do you need to download a million of these different apps if you're going to have your phone on you and you can just have one app that does all of it? Why do you feel that it hasn't been so uh, easily or widely adopted here in European markets as it has in China? There's a potential to do that. I think it's a, a matter of the time. Also changing the mindset. When I say the mindset is that I think in China, there are many focus on building the whole entire ecosystem. So they are not very product first or product centric company because the question they are asking them, themselves is that how they make the user's lifestyle move it online also make it more seamless experience. And so, because they have these big questions that they want to answer. So what they are focusing on is the building a whole ecosystem, how they fulfill the, the user's need as possible as they like can. So like, for example, there's one Chinese app called Mate One. Actually, originally they just focus on one really single functionality is allows the user to order the food. It's just like a bolt, like order the food and done and food delivery. But actually they are now are combining the similar scenario into one app, like they can also reserve the restaurant, book the hotel or book the, the movie, because when you order in the food, maybe those scenario might also somehow related to. So now they are just expanding to the different scenario in one single app. So I think it will also take time for the Western company to have this mature super apps, but it just take time because right now, I think in general with Western company. They are defining the super apps as the vertically um, integrated app. So it's like you have a multiple functionality inside. And, but the real super apps is that um, you allow other company can also live in the ecosystem and allows the other company service can also um, include in the portal. So it's still a bit different. And so that's why I say like uh, WeChat is the more, most mature super app I've ever seen because even other third-party service or other company, they can build the apps as well. 
but most of the super apps in the Western world, whole product, whole functionality are still in-house. It belongs to one company. So it will take a lot of time to build the relationship and the partnership with other companies so they can integrate their service in other companies as well. But it takes time for sure. Yeah, it's an interesting insight to know the fact that these super apps are partnering with other companies because it seems that in Europe or in the U.S., larger companies tend to acquire smaller ones and then merge them into their apps rather than creating a platform for external companies to to build upon. So although they may be doing it in a bit of a different way, do you think it's it's a positive trend that there's more of an emergence of some European companies moving towards a super app strategy? I think from the company perspective, it's good because then the super apps actually can significantly lower the cost of doing the acquisition for the new user. Like for example, when the, the WeChat just rolled out, they actually just focusing on the communication app, just like the, the WhatsApp or the message. They just focusing on chatting with the friends, but now they are spending so much. And then they also grabbed a lot of information of the user right now. So let's take another example. The, the FinTech app usually is the most complicated one because it, it is related to money and you need a lot of the underwriting process. And uh, from the company side, they also need to go through some of the process, like know your customer and the empty money laundering process to make sure the user that you're acquired is safe, is it's trustworthy. If we have this like uh, super apps, then the first um, application, they already grab the user's um, information and also go through this like underwriting process. Then when they have a second service, they won't, and they're still under this umbrella service. And actually it saves the user's time that they, they don't need to wait for the, the company review. And actually from the user perspective, then they can use this service immediately as well. So actually I would say it brings benefit both for the user and the company side. I think it would be like what Helen said to expand the market and then also to increase the user. But then it is also something that need to test around and see whether people in different like country will like this pattern will like this approach because not everyone likes it. But I agree with her, Helen said, it is more convenient. For example, like you already did this one, so you don't need to do it again if it is already like the same progress for like sign up and then checking this, checking that. I think it would save their time for sure. But then it is also like maybe the privacy stuff, maybe they're not too like trust this stuff, maybe really need to test if people will be used to this. And I, I think this could be also a challenging for the Western company as well, because in what, especially in Europe, 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 Iranian, and they have this GDPR protection. So they are very careful about this data. How does it being used? How does it being processed? And if the company violate, then they need to pay a lot of costs on that. So the but in, in China, they don't have this concern because not just about the, the local user, they don't care about how the, they don't care, uh, care about how the data was being used because in China, they are the communist com com country. So basically they are control everything, everything need to be censored. So there's no way to choose. 
but Europe has this umbrella as a protection for, for their GDPR privacy um, protection. So it's totally different kind of context background and the government uh, policy as well. Exactly. Maybe with this, then the progress will be different and that it won't be this smooth like in China. So there's some trade-off and there is some like tweak you need to do in between to balance. Yeah, as we talked before, it's convenient to sometimes sacrifice a little bit of your privacy and and certain restrictions on, on your data. And it's also, I mean, I don't want to get too political, but I am just curious of using a Chinese app in Taiwan or using a Chinese app in Hong Kong. Is there any privacy agreements? If you accept that you're using WeChat, then they basically just have all of your data. I think, uh, yeah, I think they also, like in Taiwan, they also have every data as well, because they also like a designing toward in the direction of the super apps. And so they are actually building a lot of partnership with the, the third party service related to the service that you are going to provide. So, but I think like, especially from the Taiwanese people, they don't really care about how their data is being processed. They just want to. Convenience is very similar to Chinese people's mindset. Yeah, I think the same for Hong Kong. If you um, register for an app, there should be something like with this TNC and stuff uh, for your privacy. But then because it's legally, you need this uh, in the product. But then if you ask people in Hong Kong, if they are sensitive to privacy, I would say now they are more sensitive political reason. But then let me think about it. Yeah, I think the problem is there is one because like, if you remember was they have a prom, just prom out and said, we need you to take, check this for the privacy stuff. So people from, from then they realize, oh, they're using our privacy for something. So they are being more careful for their privacy, but they, they have this sense. They need to be careful of it, but uh, not everyone, maybe the youngest pe young people will have this sense. But mainly people in Hong Kong, maybe just like in Taiwan, they are not too sensitive and they're okay if it is convenient. But some part of people, they start to be sensitive with this privacy issues. It's interesting. Yeah, I'm curious too. I thought we keep mentioning WeChat a lot, but are there any other apps that you that you personally used to use on a daily basis that, that you miss or you think would maybe improve your day-to-day your -day life here here in Berlin? I think that there is one which is really interesting that I would, it will be happened in, it will help in Berlin, which is there is a food delivery app that Helen mentioned, Me, Meituan. Oh, Meituan, yeah. Uh, yes. So they are doing food delivery, right? But uh, they're not just doing the uh, food delivery to your home. So if you are just shopping in the mall, they can deliver to wherever you are walking in the mall. And then other than this delivery service, they can also help you to line up. So maybe there's a restaurant that you need to wait for a long time that you don't want to line up. You can just hire someone to help you line up. So this will be super convenient if you need to line up for the club in Berlin. I think this will be convenient. I think this is the like real thing. Like they really look into how this people in this country, how their daily lives are. For example, we share food, we need to split the bill. And then they think about it. So they add this feature into the app to make our life easier. But then this doesn't happen in Europe. 
that's why they didn't think about this feature, right? Well, yeah, I think it's definitely really interesting. You guys, it feels like we keep coming back to this idea of the, some people might think of these different apps as just being very random, but I think your example of the food delivery where you have a food delivery app, but then you realize that people also want to have food delivered to them while they're in the mall. So let's add that functionality. Or it's also that as a part of the experience of ordering food, you have to wait in a queue sometimes. And so having that all together is really built more around these pathways of what a person's lifestyle with their day-to-day life is rather than just a big group of random things, where it, which it seems maybe from an outside perspective. So what are other challenges or opportunities that you feel that you encountered working in Asia versus working here? Yeah, I think, okay, maybe something are very different is how, how we give the feedback. It's very different culture perspective. Like it also like, okay, I think in, because the design critique session is uh, like maybe very important as a designer, you working no matter in which company, they also always have a design critique session, but the way of the giving feedback is a, I think it's a big difference. Like in general, the Western, they are communicate people with a very direct way. So if they are disagree with this, they will just say it and then challenge you. And it's perfectly fine because the people will think they take it as an opportunity, how they can improve um, their products or make the team uh, work more efficiently. But in the East, usually they are more indirect. So people will not say something like, oh, this design is not good enough. They will not say it directly in the public way. And so I personally, I prefer the, the Western one because those opinion actually give me the opportunity to grow. I know where is my, my, my sure fall, where I can improve myself. So, and people are also more open to the criticism. That's first thing for good is very good. And also the hierarchy here is very flat as well. In East country, the hierarchy system are very complicated. And even you talk to your manager, you need to also care about what, what you conveyed. Usually you cannot challenge your manager. That's <laughs> it's a like underlying or hidden culture that you need to understand. Yeah. So they care about these kind of authorities and the relationship um, between you and the, your manager. So usually you will not like challenge or something, something wrong about your, your manager. But I think the opposite side is that you also compromise. You don't know where you can grow or how your manager could grow. So yeah, it's ab- about the culture and the way of the communication. Yeah. I also agree with the feedback uh, that you mentioned about, like in here, I feel like people are more open and transparent to share their thoughts about the works, about the team, about your feelings, everything. They are more willing to share directly. Uh, and then they also give this constructive feedback in a good way for you to grow, for you to reflect on. But then in Asian culture, I mean, sometimes you mentioned about that they talking in that indirectly, right? But then sometimes it's not just indirectly. They are just not talking, not saying any feedback at all. I'm not saying everyone is like this, but there are some people that I met, maybe they would just treat it as a task that from their work. So if you ask them to do this task, they're just, okay. Even though they have questions, they won't ask it because it's just a task. They are just like doing it. So they don't have much opinion and they don't share much even when they have some questions or some concern about this, they will just treat it as it has, I need to finish it and done. So this is some of the cultural differences that I can see from, from like working in PM. 
But I also believe that there's no, like culture is necessary, good or bad. Exactly. The yeah. personal preference, what, what you like. So I would say like, um, even working in, in Western world or West country, it, I actually just take those experience as, um, the opportunity to grow. And then also like a shaping my personality, being more flexible, adaptable in the end. So I just feel appreciate no matter what culture I'm working at. I guess from your perspective of having done a move from your home country to working into a new country, is there any advice that you think you'd give to someone after what you've learned? Just try it. <laughs> Not think much you need to think about, just try it. Because like, it is just different experience and different opportunity that you can try from working in different countries. So my suggestion is do it, don't think too much. You will have your opportunity to grow when you decided to have this move. Yeah. I think be open is very important because no matter what, moving from one country and another country, I think the biggest things you will en encounter or face is a culture shock. And this is the difference. Maybe you can try to upset, even you don't like it, but trying to understand it. So then you will feel more happier when you're living abroad. Yeah. So I think like being more, more open and then trying to connect with the local people to understand why they have this behavior, why this app are designing like this, um, trying to understand it. Then I think you will be more adaptable to the local culture for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I was living in Sao Paulo before and then came, was going to go back to the United States where I'm from originally, but got the opportunity to come here and totally agree with Koopi's one is just like, just do it. You know, and people ask me like, what would be the challenge of working in a different cultural context and in a country where you don't speak the language, it's not your native language. Um, you say, just do it. And then sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And I think that it's, but you definitely grow no matter what. I think with that too, I'm just closing off some of the questions. What was the biggest challenge when you started working abroad versus when you were working in, in your home country? I, I think the localization product is uh, the biggest um, challenge for me because uh, when I was working in China and I'm really focused on designing for the Chinese user and I really know, okay, if I design this pattern, basically it will be accepted, acceptable for, for the Chinese user anyway. But for, for, but when I was uh, coming back to Europe and designing a BMW Connected app, basically this app need to be adapt to three different continents that I mentioned before, like in UX, in, in Europe, but also in China, but you need to adapt to in one single app. So originally what my assumption is just about the translation. So it was it just about like, okay, it's translated English to German, German into the, the Chinese, but actually it's more than that. There are so many cultural things that you need to consider. So. Eventually we do a lot of change on design that, for example, the Chinese user, they are more want to have this kind of, a lot of information in one single page so they can absorb in the information as efficient as possible. So we also need to change this white space use and uh, how much information. And we also change the information architecture, how they read, how they navigate in the app. So. In the end, it's not just one single app. It actually like uh, designing for the Chinese version, but also for the Chinese user. It's not just about the language uh, translation. Well, great. Honestly, I feel like we could do our own little spinoff uh, podcast about all these different topics because there's tons of other stuff that I'd love to ask you to. It was really, really great. And also it was a really fun talk because I, we, I, I could be never, even we talk like a uh, work day by day, but we, we never talk about this topic together. 
even we have a similar experience before. The Center is sponsored by the design team at Klarna. It's produced by Jonathan Andersson, Francesca Cutulo, Melanie Lovebird, Anusha Hussain, and Rachel Rosenson. To learn more about your regular career paths on the Klarna design team, head to klarna.com careers. A special thanks to Aldrian Högström for having music throughout this episode. Got questions you want to hear other designers answer? Write us at thesender at klarna.com. See you next time.